Welcome to Eudaimonia, the podcast that is all about flourishing. Plug in, relax, and get ready for the goodness as we explore the traits and practices that can help you thrive in life. With your host, Kim Forrester. Pick yourself up and dust yourself off. Maintain a stiff upper lip. Keep calm and carry on. How do you respond when you encounter life's inevitable setbacks? And today we're going to be talking about what it takes to be resilient. And we'll answer the question, is it truly possible to make lemonade when life brings you lemons? Now, Stuart Taylor is CEO and founder of Spring Fox, previously known as the Resilience Institute in Australia. In 2002, in the midst of an incredible career that spread across aerospace engineering, IT, finance and psychology, Stuart received a potentially devastating diagnosis of brain cancer. Now, this led him on a personal journey back to physical, cognitive, emotional, and spiritual health. Through this experience, Stuart became a strong advocate for the incorporation of cultural practices into the workplace to nurture well-being through the body, heart, mind, and spirit. Now, I'm here at the beautiful British Club in Singapore, and I've got Stuart with me in Melbourne, and it's a great pleasure to be talking about how we can learn to flourish in the face of challenge and to share what it really means to be resilient. Stuart, thank you so much for being with me here today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Great to be here, Kim. Now, looking back through what you teach, there are elements of resilience that would surprise many people. Do you think the general population misunderstands what it takes to be resilient? I think that is the case and in many cases it's uh, seen purely as a coping mechanism and so I take a hit, I get knocked down and the real measure is how quickly I can step up uh, and keep moving Uh, whereas the research would suggest it is a much more positive uh, attribute that is Uh, about bouncing back, but more than that, it's actually about how do you thrive through life and make the most of life. What I actually, what I've noticed in society is that um, resilience can often be uh, used as a simile for durability, for toughness. Mm -hmm. And the work that you do actually brings a, a depth and a vulnerability into resilience. Yeah, and I think that the toughness piece is useful uh, because life at times can be really tough. Uh, and so to have that uh, stoicism is uh, incredibly useful uh, in the heat of battle. Uh, but if your whole life is about that, then I think you're missing the point. And, you know, resilient people do explore uh, continuously what is their purpose and contribution. And when you're doing that, you're more likely to be uh, embodying a resilient life that is about thriving and uh, helping others and you know growing as an individual. Now, what you're talking about there takes self-awareness. And what I am concerned about is that people in their determination to be tough and resilient, they actually overlook or they suppress um, what they're actually going through. Do you think that's a problem? I think it's a huge problem. And uh, anybody can uh, hold themselves in that strong position but in doing that, you actually don't grow. Uh, you, you don't grow uh, by keeping that, that stiff upper lip. You actually 
grow through failure. And it's in that failure that you realise where the opportunities might sit uh, or what skills you'd like to develop or who do you need to have around you when you're in those sort of situations. So you become much more self-aware as a result of that and and even can see those symptoms approaching when things are starting to head south. It's interesting because you talk about the five traits of resilient people and one of them, well, number one is bouncing forward and that's what you seem to be talking about there where you actually turn a challenging situation, a traumatic situation into a positive. Tell me about bouncing forward. It really is a marker of a resilient person. And I don't know if, um, in my own experience, uh, for much of my life, certainly up to the age of 32, uh, I did have this uh, delusional sense that I was bulletproof and nothing could uh, uh, hit me. And really, life just would never end. <laughs> it was sort of kind of the, that, that view coming through the 20s and into the 30s. Uh, but when I was diagnosed with brain cancer, it really was a such a strong uh, mirror test of what what have you been doing and how are you living your life that has got you to this point. And uh, I, I think when you are faced with that sort of uh, enormous uh, news that says you've got two and a half years to live, you really do uh, take a a step back to consider that bigger picture. And look, I'm not saying it happened overnight, but it certainly gave me a perspective that I could actually play things or live things in a different way. And it's exactly what I did. And in the end, found that this this awful uh, diagnosis became the best thing that ever happened to me as I did seek to change the way I lived my life. So how does bouncing forward differ from bouncing back, which is the usual phrase that we would use? Well, I would say they're both important. And and so bouncing back, when you find yourself uh, down a downward spiral, is so essential. Uh, However, the only reason you've got down that downward spiral is that lack of self-awareness. And so your environment has crept up on you. You haven't attended to your resilience skills. Uh, and before you know it, you're in the place of vulnerability, a uh, place of uh, mental distress uh, or potentially even depression and other mental ill health diagnoses. And and so when you get to that place, of course, it's all about bounce back. How do I get back to level zero? But life actually is about bouncing forward. So what do I do on a daily basis that does give me that core strength to uh, have uh, resilient emotions, thoughts and spirit? You know, breathing, uh, going for a run, uh, eating good food, those sorts of things. Now, you just mentioned self-awareness, and that is a second of the qualities of, of resilient people. Um, what do you mean by self-awareness? I think the whole concept of resilience uh, has that prerequisite of, do I know where I'm up to right now? Um, as I mentioned, you actually get self-awareness by having gone through a challenge or challenges that have tested your resilience. And I think that's where you build self-awareness and grow through that. But self-awareness says, well, what is my emotion right now? Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm enraged. Well, why am I enraged? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I step back and ask that question, now I've got some opportunity to change that destructive emotion maybe towards frustration or 
ideally towards compassion. And in that process, I've gone from being uh, dysfunctional and destructive through to uh, uh, seeing things with more perspective and ability to have a, a positive outcome. Now, in my experience, it takes a lot of courage to actually become self-aware, to, you know, to, to dig deep and have a look inside sometimes. And you note, uh, notice that courage is a third of the traits um, that you mention. Is that the type of courage that you're speaking of or is there another form of courage that helps us become more resilient? Uh, it's, it's definitely part of it for sure to actually have the, the courage to want to ask those questions around what, what is this emotion, what is this belief uh, that I'm experiencing. Uh, but it's also courage to get out there and try new things. Uh, I think as human beings, we love <laughs> living in a comfort zone. And it's called the comfort zone for a really good reason, uh, because it's comfortable. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a nice place to be. But unfortunately, over time, if we spend too much time in a comfort zone, it leads to uh, boredom, apathy, and ultimately will also take us down that downward spiral. So in, in a way, courage is not a nice to have. It's uh, fundamental to growth and resilience. Now, the last two traits that you mention um, might be surprising for some people because they are connection and creativity. Now, studies show that we are able to be more resilient if we have a social connection, if we have a, a source of um, of inspiration and support from the people around us. Is that what you mean by a connection? Yeah, look, and it's, it really is such a fundamental part of, of the concept of resilience. And uh, resilient people have the capacity and, uh, if you like, core capability to not be focused necessarily on themselves. They're focused on how do they help people around them. And so uh, they take the concept from being a introspective to actually being how, uh, that, that positive impact on others. So that, that's one component of it. But I think also when you are not travelling so well, uh, you increasingly lose perspective. Uh, either you're confused and can't focus on on what's important or, uh, worse still, you head down that spiral to a place where why should I even get out of bed? That's a really interesting dynamic you bring up, though, because the first thing you talk about is actually being there to be of service to others. Yeah, it, it really is important. I, I, I think when I, I look at resilience, even as you were talking there earlier about that stoic view of resilience, it's still very much a, a where am I up to, whereas resilience ultimately is where I have got that higher purpose of contribution to others, altruism and so on. Uh, you know, the, and those small um, issues, those big issues rather, become small irritations because it's not that relevant in where you're trying to take uh, that contribution. And the last is creativity. Now, I personally believe that we are most authentic when we are being creative in whatever form suits us best. Tell me how creativity leads us to become more resilient in life. In a way, creativity is one of the circular aspects of the definition of resilience in that when I'm really resilient, I can be creative. When I'm creative, I'm really resilient. And uh, if I'm living with that, uh, back to that stoic view uh, and potentially with uh, constrictive emotions like, um, like anger and fear uh, uh, and, and sadness, I really can't see a bigger picture of how I could do things differently. 
But when I am in those authentic, positive emotions that are underpinned by good resilience, then I can actually see things in new and interesting ways. And as a result, take my talents and apply them in those new and interesting ways. And, and that's where growth happens uh, through, through that. So you're not necessarily saying that we should all take up portrait artistry, um, but, but creativity in terms of creating um, solutions to problems or creating new ideas. In lots of different ways. And so it's creativity in terms of how do I use the talents that I have. And your talent might be, you know, uh, doing spreadsheets really well. <laughs> or it might be basket weaving or artistry. It, it could be facilitating a meeting, you know, whatever that strength might be. Uh, influencing others, who knows? Uh, how do I do that in that new and interesting way? Well, that's cool. So just for the listeners, I want to recap. So the five traits of the most resilient people we've just covered are bouncing forward, courage, connection, creativity, and self-awareness, really important. But you also teach that there are ways that we can undermine our own resilience. And um, you've written about how when we care too much about certain things, such as being perfect or controlling our environment, or interestingly, requiring life to be fair, then we can actually undermine our own resilience. How are we damaging our resilience when we become overly concerned about these things? It's something that I uh, concluded probably about five years after my my diagnosis as I started to try to more better understand why I'd gone down the path I'd gone down. And uh, the more I looked into it, the, real, the more I realised it was all about ego and that self-image that you create in your mind that for the life of you, you do not want anyone else to see as fallible or can be damaged. Uh, and, and so, in a way, you can live your life uh, continuously trying to protect that self-image or ego. And when you're doing this, you are absolutely over-caring about the views of others, uh, their opinions, their possessions, their performance. And as a result, uh, you are, your resilience has been outsourced to mm. the environment rather than where resilience actually comes from, and that is from within. And so it leaves you such a uh, susceptible place where you can't have self-confidence. Uh, at best, you can have self-esteem uh, that's been bestowed upon you by somebody else. I can absolutely see that and I can see it. We do it in so many facets of our lives. When we when we look for the external validation or the external power, we disempower ourselves um, effectively and completely at times. Oh, huge, um, and, and, and so many people uh, come up to me after a, a presentation that I might have delivered and they say, oh, wow, well, I'd really like to learn to present like that. And it really comes down to that same discussion around, well, are you over-caring about what other people think of you or do you get out there and you actually give a gift to that audience and help them to improve their knowledge on a particular topic that you know something about? It's a, it's a different um, approach to, uh, through, to how do I interact with my world. I can see the direct link between caring about what people think or trying to control your environment and how that disempowers you, but can't we all expect life to be fair at times? <laughs> well, I play um, golf. It's one of my favourite sports, and if you want to learn about life not being fair, that's a good place to start. I think every person on this planet could think of uh, thousands of examples of where life isn't fair. And the reality is it's not fair. and 
there's so many examples of where it's not fair. And the more that you think it should be, uh, the more you start to paint yourself into an anchor profile. And I, I think uh, as you explore particularly the emotion of anger, it's all about musts and shoulds and mm. the extent to which uh, things should be fair and perfect says I'm actually going to be pretty angry because reality is they're not and and who said they should be? <laughs> So if we can't expect life to be fair or if, if that's not something that we should pursue, what should we be pursuing in life instead? Uh, it doesn't say that we can't try to help people have uh, a good life and including ourselves, mm. but it's an expectation that it will be is the issue and and holding okay. to this, this uh, necessity for that perfection uh, really just it leaves us exposed to being let down. <laughs> well, I can see actually then uh, after that discussion there that expecting life to be fair actually links in directly with trying to control our environment. Yeah, I think so. And and really it's uh, – I used the word delusion before. It's, it's almost a delusional belief that I'm, I'm so powerful that I can control what's going on around me. Well, Good luck with that. <laughs> and I think the Buddhists say it really well when they talk about this idea of uh, equanimity, uh, which in essence said, says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm an okay person. Uh, it's likely I'll prevail. And if things don't prevail, I'll learn a lot from that. So it's, it's not over-attaching to uh, everything being just right, just for me. So now the Eudaimonia podcast is all about making our lives more fulfilling and yes. joyful, flourishing. So developing resilience obviously helps you bounce forward from your illness, from your cancer diagnosis. But how else has resilience enhanced your day-to-day -day experience of life? Look, I think a, a big part of resilience, uh, sure, it's about uh, working with your stress and mastering your stress. It's about stimulating physical energy uh, so that you can have uh, more resilient emotions and more a more resilient mindset, but the ultimate expression of resilience happens at the spiritual level, which says, um, I do have clarity on my purpose. Uh, I know what values I stand for. I try to operate with altruism, compassion. Uh, and when I start to play at that level, uh, that does lead to the fulfillment that you're talking about. And, and so you can be resilient without this last level called spirit. But I, I think it is such so fundamental and unfortunately for our society, we've lost so much connection at that spirit level. I'm not necessarily talking about God. And you can choose how you, how you reach into this space, but having a view of a bigger picture, uh, contribution and so on, uh, is so, so critical to me uh, living a good life, which in essence is very much that uh, eudaimonic level of happiness. Yeah, I know precisely what you're talking about. I tell people all the time that we were turned into machines about 400 years ago. And I think that most people in society have learned to solve problems, including, um, you know, personal growth issues on a very superficial level. And so eudaimonia often comes from getting just a little bit deeper um, and forgetting what we've been told about this sort of surface machinery that we've been turned into and becoming more soulful in the yes. way that we approach things. 
Yeah, look, I think uh, that is so true. And um, I, I do believe the more resilient you are, the more likely you are to be interested in the welfare of others. And that in itself is a, a huge purpose. And uh, it truly was the gift that cancer gave me was to step back from what I had been doing and ask uh, what contribution I could make. And, you know, the, the shift of career as a result of that um, has just been so fulfilling to be working with um, people in organisations to say, well, is there a better way that, that uh, we can all live our lives to have that sustainable contribution? Which brings up a very interesting question, Stuart. How can we each help and enable others to become more resilient, our loved ones, our children, our parents? How do we help them discover resilience when they need it most? Look, I think uh, the first point there would be to um, help others to build the foundation. And the the foundations are so uh, important because without the foundations, there's no point pursuing that spiritual level. Um, if you find that your stress is out of control, that you're you're, you're continually uh, unwell, um, your emotions are negative, unless you can establish that foundation, is really tricky to to build that ultimate level. And so, I think working with others to stabilise the platform is mm. is key. And for some, it might be. Uh, go, getting someone to join a, a exercise club with you or involving them in some of the base practices around that uh, or teaching someone to meditate would be uh, an interesting way to go or doing a meditation course together. So, again, these fundamental levels gives you the ability to then have that self-awareness and see where things could go. I think the other, the other concept to come back to that spirit piece is um, the Japanese – express this beautifully i think they have a a concept called ikigai that's uh, i-k-i-g-a-i where they say in six words no more no less can you articulate why do you get out of bed each morning and you know to be able to spend time thinking about that and see it evolve over time can start to provide a compass uh, for where you want to be heading and that can help guide your decisions so that you do stay true uh, to the life that you're trying to live. Now, Stuart, for those of us who have tended to rescue others and problem solve for others, do you think we undermine people's resilience when we continue to do that? So so I think to come back to that overcaring discussion, uh, there's a big difference between compassion and sympathy. And you see this in professions that are involved with caring, such as nursing, teaching, and so on. Uh, the, the principal role there is to absolutely care. The um, the reality is at times that can lead to overcaring and trying to save somebody else. Uh, a resilient person tries to operate with others from a position of compassion, and that is deep love and deep care but it's actually helping them to help themselves. And that that allows for, uh, I think, a better accountability, but also um, that individual then learns rather than, you know, perhaps uh, becomes reliant on you or, or in a way could also become quite negative to you. I understand. So be the inspiration, not the crutch as such. 
for, for sure. And at times, you know, that uh, requires uh, one expression of compassion, which is tough love, uh, where that person might have become reliant and uh, it's actually not helpful or healthy to feed that reliance and, and tough love might be the answer that allows them to make that fundamental shift mm. that's required to grow and be, be, be more resilient. There's a whole conversation we don't have time for right here around parenting and, and our mollycoddling of children these days, but we'll have to sit down another time and chat about that. I've got one final question for you, Stuart, and I asked this question of all of my guests. Can you suggest one morning reminder, so a daily practice, a mantra or affirmation that my listeners can use to help them become more resilient? Um, I'll try and answer that <laughs> uh, and, and I'll answer it in the way that I uh, enact something similar. Uh, I meditate each morning. Uh, that could be for five minutes, could be for 15 minutes. And in that meditation, I do try to apply a purpose to that meditation. And so to me, the, the message I would give is uh, find a message for that meditation. It might be around compassion. It might be around your ikigai. But it is a taking that time to have a reflection on one of those topics at that spirit level. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Stuart. Um, now, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about how to become resilient? Sure. The uh, best would be our website, which is uh, springfox.com. Fabulous. And you have an amazing book called Assertive Humility. Where can people get their hands on that? Uh, so that's uh, available on Amazon. Well, Stuart, I'm grateful for you sharing your time here with us today. And um, I hope you're having a fabulous day down there in Melbourne. Take care. Yeah, thanks so much, Kim. According to English philosopher Bernard Williams, man never made any material as resilient as the human spirit. You've been listening to the Eudaimonia podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how to live a truly flourishing life, please subscribe and check out eudaimoniapod.com for more inspiring episodes. I'm Kim Forrester. Until next time, be well, be kind to yourself, and know you will always have the ability to bounce forward. Mm -hmm.